Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Has nobody told you yet? Building a successful team culture within your salon can be very simple. So hear me out. When it comes to your salon's team culture, pretty much every salon owner I know wishes for two things. You wish that you had a salon culture that new team members were begging to be part of, like I'm talking about knocking on your door. And you also wish you had a salon culture that existing team members never want to leave because A players want to work for an A team in a winning business. Now, I know that sometimes this can feel a little bit out of your control, like it can be hard to manage a team with so many different personalities. However, what if I told you it actually comes back to you, the salon owner, and what you stand for? It's your job to align and drive your team's culture, like front foot it, and ensure that what you stand for is constantly embedded into the culture. So whether you're passionate about your team specializing in one service or having flexible lifestyle hours for your team or you value constant education and upskilling for your team, it's your job to own this vision for yourself and lead your team toward it. In this episode, I'm bringing a good friend of mine, Wade Barron. Now, he is going to share how you can cultivate a team culture that everyone wants to work for and no one else ever wants to leave. Now, Wade is the CEO and founder of Pigtails and Crew Cuts and is no stranger to salon success after growing his franchise to now 70 locations. So listen carefully to Wade's message about how to build a strong culture within your salon and hire a dream team of stylists or therapists that live and breathe the vision you have for your business. All right, let's dive in. Wade, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Pleased to have you here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, look, let's start with this. Where are you in the world? What do you do? How did you get started? And what does business look like today? So I am in Atlanta, Georgia. I am the CEO of Pigtails and Crew Cuts. We are a children's hair salon franchise company uh, based in Atlanta. Uh, we've got about 70 locations. Um, I have been in the franchise business all my adult life. Uh, started with another company, a food concept, and we sold that and ended up getting into the children's hair salon business. And uh, my job is to kind of set the strategy for the company, <clears throat> excuse me, and work with franchise owners to help them be successful small business owners. I love this um, for a couple of reasons, Wade. One, because you've got a very clear business proposition. It's clear who your ideal client is. It's clear what you're you know, uh, what you're here to do in life. And I love the franchise model. Never done it myself, but I love the need to systemize and process to the nth degree to be able to franchise. I think this is one of the fundamentals that so many small business owners miss. Just because we're small doesn't mean that we shouldn't be doing these things. So I'm excited to be talking to you today uh, about all things business and in the hair and beauty industry. 
Well, look, um, let's start with this, Wade. Um, one of the challenges that I see often is the ability for an owner to get the buy-in from their team. How do we get a team to really buy into what we're here for, what we're doing every day on a, on a daily basis and, and kind of put some vision in front of them? What are your thoughts on this? I mean, this is something you would have to have nailed or at least be working on to be able to have 70 locations. Well, I agree with you that it's the most important part of it is uh, <clears throat> the image that your team presents is who you are. And whatever the customer perceives you to be is who you are. And so that point-to-point contact is how you're defined. And so to me, it starts with a clear vision from the owner or the manager or whoever's operating uh, the business on a day-in and day-out basis. And, And I think it's almost as simple as taking the time to write down what you are. It's not just about I'm a a high-end women's salon or I'm a a family salon or I'm a kid's salon. It's what is the image that you're trying to project? And defining that in some number of terms. And, And that becomes your business model. And that becomes who you are and what you are. But but then Once you have that written down and once you have that in your mind, then everything revolves around that. I think you've got to hire based on that. So you, when you are interviewing somebody, you, you, you have a clear definition of who you are and what you are and a pretty clear definition of what traits you're looking for, for somebody who will fit into that business model. And so when you're interviewing, and I know labor is such a challenge right now in the world, but uh, you you can't really compromise on it because you've got to have the people who are going to project your definition of what you are. And so to the best of your ability, and it will get better over time as you do it more and more, you have this definition of what you are. You have these criteria that you're looking for when you're interviewing somebody. And you apply it and you say, okay, this person works, this person doesn't fit. So it starts there. But then that becomes, all right, well, that was great. We talked about it when I hired you. How do you keep it going? How do you make sure that the team is living that every day? And I I think it's through constant conversation about it. I think you start meetings with what are the core values of our business? You know, you have regular meetings. You're not skipping over business meetings because you don't have time for it, or there's no, there, there's no, everybody's not in today, so we can't have a meeting. We have regularly scheduled meetings. You talk about what the culture is, and then you talk about what business points you want to talk about. But I think every time you're talking about anything about your business, you're talking about the culture that you want to create. And we do it with a set of core values. And we've got five core values that we preach And core values are, you know, a dime a dozen. They're worth what you put the paper that you print them on, unless you're really trying to live them. And I think that defines what you are. And then your vendors, your suppliers, your employees, uh, the person, you know, all the way through, all the stakeholders in your business, the owners, the the customers even should know what what your business definition is. And so 
if that's the case, I think you're well ahead of the game because you've you've relayed this message and you're living the message day in and day out. Uh, so I think, you know, I think first thing is clear, clear definition and then the continual communication of that message. And when yeah. things don't go according to that message, that's what you're talking about. That's how you're, that's what you're doing to fix your business. Yeah. Um, I love that, that uh, I think that often is missed because unlike yourself, a lot of business owners start as an apprentice, as a stylist, and they start from the inside and don't have the outside perspective that what they have is what they have because you're in your own goldfish bowl. Would, Would you, you know, do you resonate with that? And it's not until we can step outside of our own goldfish bowl and define what it is that we have that's different to somebody else down the road that we can start to talk about what it is that we do and how that we do it and what our values are. And I think sometimes that's the hard transition. Um, and then continuing it. It's like otherwise saying, uh, I went to the gym the other day. I'm now fit and muscly. <laughs> no, actually, we need to keep going back to the gym every day to keep it alive. Um, exactly. We can't just write our vision and pop it in a drawer and say, tick that box. <laughs> that was done. Um, so I love that message of continuation and keeping the conversation alive. I think that's really, that's the majority of where the work needs to be done. I think yeah, I, I totally agree. And, I, I, you know, the owner of a business is not going to do every aspect of the business day in and day out. The owner is managing that business. And one of the aspects of management is you have to be the CEO. And I call the CEO the chief excitement officer. Oh, and, I love that. You know, if everybody's excited about the business and excited about the success and is pulling in the same direction, then your job is easy. You know, it's, it's, it make it fun for people, but make sure everybody understands that it's work and that it, you know, there's, there's a right way and there's a wrong way. And whatever those definitions are, that is by definition what your customers should perceive your business to be. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry. We're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team. But you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have. Increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease, in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients, make more, because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah. Um, that's my takeaway of the day, Chief Excitement Officer. I love that. <laughs> I like and I, I like that a lot because it gives us permission to remember that the majority of the work is to think and to speak and to have conversations. It's not actually necessarily to do the work. It's to lead the people to do the work through 
continued conversations and continual thinking about well, what should the vision be and what should we be doing and how we should be doing it. And I think that gets lost in small business when we get too caught up in doing, having to do the do and we don't have time for the conversations or for the thinking part of the business. And that's where the magic is as, as the chief excitement officer. Would that be true, well, mate? Yeah, I, I, everybody's heard the term work in your work on your business instead of in your business. And I, I, hope, I, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, you if you're the owner, it's your responsibility to set the direction. It's your responsibility to make sure everybody's got the buy-in. It's your responsibility to bring clients in. It's your responsibility to have the best retail products, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you do those things, then you'll have a successful business. And, and that's what drives it. And if you have a successful business, everyone will want to come work for you. Yeah. You know, people love working for a successful business. They don't want to work for a place nobody comes. <laughs> that's right. People want, I think we forget that sometimes. Uh, people want to be working on the A team, you know, sure. the, the winning team. Um, you said something really interesting, Wade, about, you know, it being challenging in the industry right now for recruitment. And um, but at the same time, we need to juggle is anybody available to work for me versus the right person to work for me? And this is a this is a real problem in the industry right now. What are your thoughts on, you know, you, you in particular have a very clear business proposition. There's a very clear customer. And I'm assuming there's a type of person that suits to work for you and a type of person that wouldn't necessarily love how do you juggle that balance between the right person and any person well if i had all that answer i wouldn't be uh, <laughs> you know, doing what i'm doing but um it, it is it's the age old you know attraction of great talent and retention of great talent and it's it's worse now than it has been in my entire what, 38 years of being in the franchise industry. I've never seen anything like this. And it's tough and it's, it's, it's very hard. I think that it's, it's real easy to compromise and say, I got to have a body. I, you know, I, oh, a pulse shows up, willing to come back the next day kind of thing. But I would argue that the long-term result of that is, is not the right answer. If you're a certain type of business and you compromise and hire the wrong type of person, I, I just, and we haven't seen the end of this, so I don't know if I'm right or not, but I would argue that the, the long-term damage that you can do to your reputation by having the wrong people is well it well outweighs that short-term set rev, batch of revenue that you created by having that person yeah and, and i think i think it goes with any industry it's in the, the hair industry the salon industry the food industry i'd rather not have the transaction if i know that i'm doing that customer a disservice and that they're not going to come back, that they're not going to. In our industry, so much of our marketing is word of mouth. And I think it's your reputation and that 
customer support, that client support, if you damage that by having somebody who doesn't fit your model, I don't know when you get over that. It's, a, it's hard to get somebody back. Um, you know, it's easier to retain clients than attract clients. And if you lose them, you've made a big mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree. I think Wade. I think this um, this approach is the must approach in like just live through the gap rather than patch it up. Because even though you're solving today's problem, you're actually creating a tomorrow problem, and so you're better to hold in the gap. I think and just hold still, uh, and you know be prepared and ready for tomorrow when the right person comes. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. I think it's easier to tell a customer, I'm sorry, we don't have a slot available for you today because I don't have enough people than it is to say, I'm sorry that we butchered your service and, you know, trust me. Please come back. Please (laughs) come back. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Um, Talking about the marketplace, um, tell me your thoughts on uh, standing out in the marketplace, um, this industry in particular, um, there are a lot of businesses in a lot of locations. How does the brand stand out and, you know, speaks directly to the client when there's a lot of choice? What's been successful for you and your brand? Excuse me. Um, when I got into the, started looking at the salon business, uh, pigtails and crew cuts in particular, I, I did not have any concept that the hair business was as big as it is. I had I had no idea. And I started driving around. I was like, well, there's a hair salon. Oh, look, there's a hair salon. Oh, look, two doors down, there's a hair salon. And I thought, oh, my goodness, there's something going on here. And so you're right. I think it is a crowded industry. It is a saturated industry because the barriers to entry are relatively low. Um, but... I think it starts the way you separate yourself from the competition is it kind of goes back to what I was just talking about, about creating the culture. I think it really begins with a definition of what you're going to be. You know, ours was pretty straightforward. We knew we were going to be the preeminent kids hair salon concept in the U S and that's what we've set out to do. And we don't lose focus and go, okay, well, you know, we're going to go do this and we're going to sell tires because we're low on sales or whatever. We're, we're focused on our business and our, our model and it's clearly defined. And so I think that it starts with that. Uh, and then the message, what is the message that you're putting out there? What is the marketing message? Is it, uh, we're the best, or we're convenient, or we're fast, or we do a pretty good job and we're pretty fast, you know, and, and there's places for all of those types of business, but you've got to define what it is. You know, are we a men's salon? Are we a women's salon? Are we high-end? Are we kind of run-of-the-mill? Um, not that that's a negative. That just, you know, it's kind of a definition. There's a market there. Yeah. No, absolutely. And And I think you all of your marketing materials are geared towards that definition. And you just keep saying it over and over and over and over. It may be through search engine optimization. It may be through uh, 
Video is huge for us right now. And it doesn't have to be polished, fine video. It could be highlighting a staff member, or it could be, you know, hey, look how fun we are for your children. Or gosh, we know that there are children out there who really, really don't like haircuts. And, you know, we're here for that. If you've got a child with needs, uh, with certain needs that doesn't like getting his haircut or her haircut, we're here for you. So it's that message over and over and over throughout all of your marketing messages. It's kind of the, the, the same thing. And, and I think, you know, who we are, what we are, what we're doing. Um, and it's all geared towards attracting new customers, uh, 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 retaining existing customers, making sure they come back, and then generating more revenue with every transaction. And building your brand. Those are our four marketing goals that we focus all our energies on. And everything is geared towards that. But it's all the same message. It's we are the preeminent place for children's haircuts. And I think it has to be, I think if I was operating a, a shoe store, it would be, this is the best place to buy shoes. And it's the same message. You say it over and over and over and over. So that's, and how you're doing that, I can tell you, I started this 17 years ago and the way we marketed then versus the way we market now, I mean, it's like Star Trek versus Gunsmoke, you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's two completely different things and it changes daily how we're communicating our message to our customers, but the message is the same. Uh-huh. I want to pick up on that because you said it several times, uh, repetition. Uh, we decide who we are. We're super clear who we are. We're not afraid to say who we're not for. Yeah. And then you get out there and you, you repeat it on multiple platforms. And while once upon a time it might have been the newspaper, but now it's the, the socials. But it doesn't matter how you do it, video, image, post, SEO, all of the things. The message is the same and it's about repetition. And it makes me think actually of um, the TV model which I'm sure has been through multiple changes in itself. But one of the strong things about advertising on TV is about number of eyeballs. It's the same digitally and how many times you can get your message across to, to that. It's about volume of message. So it's repetition. So it's volume of humans that can see your brand and then the repetition of the brand. And I think uh, those two messages at a high level is really um I, I loved that you kind of said those things. I've, I've just said it in a different way. Um, yeah. Let's just spend a, a moment on that last piece you said around um, building the ticket, um, getting the ticket value up. One, we've got to get them back, but two, over time, getting them to spend more with us. Um, how fundamental is that to your business um, and any other salon business? Uh, I think... It is a portion of our business. Um, so we do, obviously, a lot of haircuts, and that's first and foremost. But add-ons are great for us. We do. Uh, we have retail items that are children-specific. Uh, we have products that are geared towards children's needs uh, with hair care and, and otherwise. We also have uh, some kind of general retail items. And so it is an important part of us because it adds valuable revenue to the top line. And if you have it priced right and you, you, your markup is appropriate, it can add very valuable bottom line uh, type stuff. 
And so um, uh, it, it's an important part. We're not a hard seller of retail. It's not our way because it's moms and children and we want them to buy things that they want and that they think are appropriate. But if a child comes in and has cradle cap, a, a real young child, you know, we need to talk to that parent about, hey, we've got a product here that can help you with that. And so you educate your staff. You ed- it's, it's part of the ongoing monthly, biweekly, whatever meetings you set. And you talk about, okay, this is what we're trying to sell. Uh, this is the benefit of this product. This is why you would want to sell it. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, shove it down somebody's throat, but it's an opportunity for us to generate more revenue every time somebody comes in the door. So that's that's one. I mean, I know in a lot of salons, the retail aspect of it, the product aspect of it is a very, very important part. And, you know, I think pricing it right, buying it right um, uh, is, a, is, a, is a great benefit to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I like that the leading message or intent is support the client, make the client's life better. If you've got cradle cap that's not very a nice experience, let's fix it for you. Um, and it's equally a, a business objective as well as a serving our people business. Um, I think that's a great approach in terms of engaging team in any case. Right. Yeah. I think I, I think people like to view their hair uh, professional as not terribly dissimilar, at least in our industry, uh, in the children's aspect, not dissimilarly from their pediatrician. And I know the pediatrician's a doctor. I'm not comparing that to, but I, I do believe people trust that relationship and they want to build that relationship and nurture that relationship. And if you're helping people, you know, get through things, make their children better, everybody wants the best for their children. So certainly in our industry, uh, you know, it's, it's a believable source. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, tell me a little bit about, uh, just going off script here a little bit, a little bit about uh, managing 70 locations. What is the what, what changes in dynamic of having multiple locations versus uh, singular ownership in your mind? Well, got a little bit of a understanding. First of all, I have two salons myself that, that we operate as company salons. And they're great for us because they're training places for our franchisees, they are uh, places to test new products, new services, you know, just perfect, improve the way we're doing business. So my job is really to help support our franchisees. And so these are 70 business owners, although it's not really 70 because a lot of people own multiple locations, but our job is to support and make successful, help help be successful, our franchisees. So we teach them everything that we know from how to operate a small business. And I think it applies to um, a salon business or my previous business, which was a food business or, you know, a car repair business. You know, what are the components from a business management perspective that go into making that business successful. And I think it it transcends all industries. 
And so that's what we do is we try to help people because people come to us and they want to own a business and they want to, they've decided that they believe in us. They believe in our concept and they think they can be successful at this. So it's our job to help them be successful. And that's to teach them the components of running a small business, how to generate revenue, how to market yourself, how to manage labor, how to attract and retain labor, sort of to the best of our ability in today's world. But, uh, you know, how to account, how to be a financial manager, all of the components that go into running small business, that's the franchise model. That's So that's what we do. And, and that's what we teach. And that's what we continually try to improve the way we do and bring new tools and tips and techniques and, and train our franchisees. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, Wade, being a business owner yourself, uh, in multiple ways, almost being a franchise owner, you're in the franchise business, you're in the selling business, you um, support business owners. What would be a quote, a mantra, or something that keeps you super focused uh, and forward driven? What's something you can share with us? Uh, there's a great line from, <coughs> excuse me, from Henry Ford. I know, I'm sure a lot of people have heard it, but it's kind of, it goes whether you believe you can or believe you can't. You will. And I think I just I love it because it's kind of the way you got to wake up every morning. You're going to believe you can, because if you do, you will. It may be hard. It may be bumpy. It may be challenging. But if you're pretty sure you're not going to make it, you won't. So Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And I, and I believe that so very much. It really I was thinking about this just yesterday, actually. Um, we shouldn't believe everything that we believe. there's something to bend your mind around. It's like, we don't need to always believe everything that we believe because sometimes the things that we believe hold us back. And we actually have the ability to change the things that we believe to serve us better. Yeah, I agree. If you're believing in the dark things in your life, um, you you got to stop. You got to push those thoughts away because uh, they'll eventually get you into the dark places. Yeah. It's kind of like when you wake up at four o'clock in the morning, nothing's as good, nothing is as bad as it seems at 4 a.m. When yeah. You <laughs> That's right. You got to stop thinking about that, whatever it not, is. Yeah, it's not always real. And I was think, having this thought, Wade, when I was thinking about my uh, teenagers, you know, and, you know, when, you, when you're young, you don't know all of the things yet. And, and I was trying to convince my son that he, you know, just what he believed today isn't necessarily the way that it is in the world. But I thought this is really relevant to business too. Just because we believe that we can or we believe that we can't doesn't mean that that's necessarily true. It's just what we believe and we have the power to change it. So I love that for sure. Um, What is a book, a resource, a podcast or something that you've read recently you think all business owners, salon owners should get their hands on? There is a gentleman named Dennis Snow who wrote a book. He was a Disney executive for a long time. And I think, you know, Disney has been a great model of customer service. And it's it's such a well-respected industry company, not industry, but company uh, that this guy, Dennis Snow, worked for, uh, had jobs from summer jobs on up uh, in the Disney uh, business. And he wrote a book called Lessons from the Mouse. And after he left, and now he's on the speaker circuit and he's published this book and he's published a couple of books. But the one I really love 
is a book called Lessons from the Mouse by Dennis Snow. And the reason I love it is it's all about customer service. It's the Disney model of customer service. And it's a real simple little book. It's, you know, a handful of chapters that cite things that Disney does well and why they do them and why they made those decisions and what that image is. And it's all about how they empowered their employees to make decisions that, but those decisions were all pointed in the right direction, how they trained them. And it's just a great book. We give it to all our franchisees when they come to training. Uh, He has spoken to our franchisees at a conference. It's a really cool book. And I think if you haven't read it, I think people really who own a small business and they're in the, I mean, we're all in the customer business, right? Whatever our business is, we've got to have customers. Uh, It talks a lot about how to create that Disney-esque customer service, level of customer service. I think it's great. I will track it down and put the link to that book in the show notes of this episode. Oh, good. Thank you for that recommendation. That's amazing. Uh, Wade, I know people are going to want to find you, stalk you, and uh, see what your brand is all about. Will you give us your socials and your dub-dub? Where can we find you? Yeah, I'm not a huge social guy. It's Facebook, it's email, it's our website, pigtailsandcrewcuts.com. I'm I'm out there. You can find me. Would love to hear from anybody. Amazing. I appreciate your time today, Wade. I appreciate you having me. It was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap. Wade, thank you so much for joining me on the Salon Owners Collective Podcast and sharing your expertise and team culture strategies with our salon owners. Building a thriving team culture will future-proof your salon by not only providing an amazing place for your team to work, but make you attractive for future team members to join. Your team is something that you want to be so proud of that you can shout it from the rooftops. Now, I know how challenging it can be, and it can often feel a little bit out of your control, so it's my job to help. And in the show notes of this episode, I'm going to leave a link for you to click and chat with me. Let's see if you're a fit to work together in my Salon Mastery program. Otherwise, look forward to connecting with you same time, same place next week on the podcast. Thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast. Tune in every week as I reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner Salon CEO and master your Salon success. Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.